0: Thank you for tuning in to Saints & Society. Today we are talking through part two of pornography and specifically today we're going to be looking at the way that pornography impacts our neurological system, our brains and how they're wired and wired for intimacy. So if you are jumping in uh, for the first time today, we would encourage you to go back and listen to part one as we talk there about uh, shame and even the root of where pornography comes from. Today we're going to be looking at The brain and how we're wired for intimacy and kind of where to go from here. So thanks for tuning in and hope this will be a blessing and beneficial for you guys.
1: You are listening to Saints in Society, a podcast focusing on equipping saints to live in and engage with their society. As we dive into the word and with help from experts in their field, we seek to learn how to engage culture in its terms, but not on them. We believe the gospel speaks to all of life and provides the answers we are all looking for. So we aim to equip saints with the tools necessary to apply the gospel to all areas of life, living
0: as saints in society. Brad, you are given an entire day to do whatever you want by yourself. What are you going to do? Whatever I want by myself.
1: Um, can I, I get to pick the time of year where I'm at, all that good stuff. Sure. Okay. love the outdoors. I think I would spend an entire day in September, (laughs) uh, chasing elk with my bow Okay. by myself. I'd maybe have like a fly rod as well. So in the heat of the day, I could fish
0: in like some mountain streams and stuff. Okay. All right. What would you do? If it's hunting season, I would definitely hunt elk if it's not my next would be hunting season but hunting spring bear Mm, yeah if if it's not hunting season at all i'm going to spend the entire day reading and watching movies okay yeah yeah somewhere remote somewhere Mm. (laughs) somewhere by myself (laughs) probably taking some naps in between there yeah yeah that's what i would do what would you read i would read probably a fiction or something on apologetics or something in theology but yeah Mm. that's that's likely what i would read okay Mm -hmm. yeah all right we're diving in today to part two on pornography if you are just jumping in for the first time today there is a part one so you can go back and listen to that as well we'd actually recommend starting there before we dive into part two but today we are going to look at uh, the second part of this where we're going to look at how pornography impacts our brains even how god has made us created us how even unique our brains are and we're going to talk through the way that kind of porn shapes and rewires a lot of that and even impacts our relationships and whatnot so we're going to dive into that so brad you left off last time talking about shame Mm -hmm. and the way that we cope with shame mass shame deal with shame and how shame is something that leads into pornography or starting down that path yeah talk today uh if you would and just jump into how our brains are wired and how pornography rewires and shapes our brains
1: yeah Yeah. so a few things about the human brain one is it's plastic it's very malleable and so our behavior actually can shape our brain so think about like there's a study done so like us and monkeys have fingers right and i can move each individual finger and a different part of my brain is doing that they did a study where if you tied two monkey fingers together they have to move them together and they do that for a period of time and then they untie the fingers and then they still move the fingers together mm-hmm. because their brain has been retrained to associate the movement of, you know, the index and the middle finger together. And so it takes a long time to like retrain to where they can actually move those apart. So that that's an example of how, um, our behavior actually like rewires and modifies our brain to then tell us to reinforce that behavior. And it's like a thing, uh, uh it just compounds. And so, when you engage in some kind of activity repeatedly, you are carving a path in a sense in your brain that becomes familiar and easy to walk on. So we spend time in the woods in the fall hunting, and we walk into the wilderness and we walk on a trail, we could walk wherever we wanted. Technically there's, there's all kinds of ways you can get through the woods, but there's a path that's been walked on by lots of people for lots of years and it's very clear and easy to walk on so that's what we choose to walk on our brains are the same way at a young age there's all these different routes we can take you start taking one and then you go there again and again and again and then that becomes the the path and so pornography plays into that so so when we when someone chooses to look at pornography and they get some kind of response from that some kind of reward And then they go back to that place and they continue going to that place. It trains their brain to go there. And so think back to the behavior thing. If there's, if one time when you feel lonely, you go to pornography to help that. then the next time you feel lonely, your brain starts to remember what happened last time you felt lonely. And so you go to that. And then over time, every single time you feel lonely, it's like an automatic response of your brain to want that thing where you went last time. And so- The more time you spend looking at pornography in response to loneliness or shame or stress or whatever it might be, then when those things happen again in life. And it's, it, it doesn't even have to be something as serious as uh, like an emotion. It could be a location. Every time you're in a location, if that location is associated with looking at pornography, then when you go back to that location, all of a sudden you're like tempted to look at pornography Interesting. because your brain has has become used to that. I mean, smells, you know, like different things that trigger like a, a memory in your brain to start going down that path that it's been down so many times. So the more someone looks at pornography, the deeper that path is carved in your brain and the easier it is to, to walk on, you know, the, mm-hmm. the wider and flatter the path, the easier it is to choose to walk on it. And so and that's what happens with pornography over time. So when you first start looking at pornography, you feel a lot of shame and you're unsure about it the biblical language for this is a seared conscience, right? Where Mm. at first it feels like you're doing something wrong, but over time your conscience becomes seared and it doesn't. Well, what's going on in your brain is at first you're like walking on shaky ground. I don't know about this, but then as it keeps going, all of a sudden that path becomes easier to walk on. And then it's just, it's like a knee-jerk reaction to different situations that come up in your life. And so that's how porn can become addictive and, and, and habitual is because you've actually trained your brain to, um, to go down that path in various circumstances in in life we used to think that our brains were only developing when we were young and then they came to a place where it was like developed which would be very scary for how early we talked last time about the the age that people are generally on average introduced to pornography is 11 to 13 and so Mm -hmm. you have a very young brain I think we know now that our brains, our brains are more plastic even through later in life, and so the good news is is that though a path has been carved, one that is like the path of pornography, you can carve new paths um, in your brain, and so there, there's there's good news and there's hope there for that. Um,
0: let, yeah, go ahead. Let me pause you there, and I realize we didn't do this in the first one, so I think it'd be helpful to do this now. Can you give a working definition of pornography and and what qualifies something to be pornography and the reason I ask this is because the majority of people I've talked with view pornography simply as complete nudity and you know two people having sex Mm -hmm. and and they don't view you know and so everyone always thinks they have control over their stage and where they're at right I I could stop this And, and it's always like hey I'm watching this but i'm not doing this yeah i'm watching this but i'm not doing this and, and so i think sometimes people are like yeah you know i have a i have control on this because i'm just i'm looking at stuff on youtube on facebook on instagram yeah. and and, and like no that nudity or, yeah, yeah yeah and and so it, it's or i'm going back and watching movie scenes where they're essentially having sex but but you're not seeing nudity and stuff so right. can, can you help define what pornography is yeah because you can just as easily become addicted to like day after day i'm scrolling instagram Mm -hmm. looking for these images and looking for these things and then that progresses well it's like now i'm on youtube and now you know i'm not full-blown nudity yet but this is what i'm doing so so can you yeah yeah i think the word pornography comes
1: from the greek words porno and graph graph or graphia which is writings about prostitute Um, and so that's just the etymology i think the way we define pornography there's actually a lot of different ways to define it. And one of the ways people, like in the secular world, will dodge any pushback against pornography as a bad thing is like, well, what is porn? You know, they like, like mm-hmm. what well, how do you define it? I think like an official definition would be either like sexually explicit or any like suggestive media or content that is intended to arouse, um, and then that is then consumed for arousal. So there's like the intention of the media, but then also the reception of it. So that's uh, good. Michelangelo's statue of David is a naked man, not intended for arousal, and most of the time probably not received in that way either. You know, so there's like this distinction between art that contains nudity and then also like pornographic material. So, so, so that's cultural. But let's talk biblically about how Jesus talks about lust, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, Matthew six or five, is it six? It's Matthew five, five was close um you've heard it said you know do not commit adultery i say to you whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart so w- we can define pornography however we want to what's the sin issue that jesus is talking about he's talking about looking at someone with lustful intent what does he mean he, looking at someone as an object to be used for your own personal gratification and pleasure pleasure
0: rather than an image bearer meant to be loved so so at, at its core, it's selfishness. It is, yeah. I'm 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 taking something from you, yeah, and and you're providing something for me. Yes. I'm doing nothing in return. Yes, and so so
1: while clothed, Im- images of people clothed on Instagram may not be pornographic by definition of our definition of pornography, I can still look at those images and lust after those images by wanting you know using those images or the person in those images to satisfy or gratify some kind of desire that i have selfishly on my own
0: Mm -hmm. um so yeah when the biblical even definition of sex is a man and a woman entering and engaging to make it the best possible experience for the other person right so so sex is I, I engage my wife to say, how can I make this the best possible experience for mm-hmm. Allie? And she goes into the same thing. This is going, I'm. it's all about me, what I get, yeah. what I want. You provide it for me. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's
1: completely selfish and it's completely
0: self-gratifying, yeah. Um,
1: which, I mean, does worlds of damage on what people's expectations of sex then should be like yeah. when pornography tells them that it's all about you and your desires, yeah. you know? So. All right. So let's go back. Mm-hmm. Back to the brain. Back to the brain. Okay, so uh, the paths that can be formed through, and it's not just bad things. I mean, like my, my mom, like classic family dinner growing up was roast beef in the crock pot with like potatoes. It's like, I mean, we ate that that and tater tot casserole. My mom's from the Midwest, so lots of casseroles, um, and. Like if I smell you know, like a roast beef, like there's something triggered in my brain where my mouth water, you know, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, and memories come flooding back and it's the same thing. Um, and so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we do need to recognize how the brain works in that way. Um, the other thing is, uh, chemicals that are released in the brain when different activities happen. So the first one is dopamine. So dopamine is fairly commonly known as the reward chemical or the reward homo- hormone. So when you laugh at a joke you see something funny or sexual pleasure or whatever it might be even like the feeling after a hard workout of this like reward chemical that's Mm -hmm. a dopamine that's being released in your brain it's the same thing that gets released um in response to hard drugs so when you do drugs what's happening in your brain whether it's you know speed heroin meth the there's a chemical reaction to the drug that is giving you a rewarding feeling this feels good I want this again and so that's how people get addicted to drugs is they the release of dopamine just keeps increasing and they they chase that high right they chase that feeling porn does the same thing sexual gratification sexual pleasure does the same thing and so when when you go to pornography you get that dopamine release and then you want that again and so just like addiction to drugs you go back to the same thing that provided that dopamine release um that uh yeah. That, that gives you that
0: reward that you want. So And very- eventually it's not going to provide the same level as the first high. Right. And so, which is where people keep diving in deeper Exactly. before, you know, yeah. it, you're in live chat rooms. And, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, tolerance. So tolerance
1: to ibuprofen, you take, you know, 500 milligrams or whatever. And then that stops working. When you take it too much, you have to take more to ease the pain. The same thing with drugs, uh, works with pornography. You, Build up a tolerance in a sense to where the same stuff doesn't give you the type of dopamine release, the type of pleasure satisfaction reward that you once had and so you have to go go more now the more in pornography is not a greater quantity but greater variety mm-hmm. and so yeah that's how you end up in live chat rooms it's how you end up yeah in stuff that can be aggressive or violent um that's how people usually end up uh in those areas is because the the you know the instagram scrolling isn't cutting it anymore it's not giving that dopamine release that that we are chasing after yeah so that's one thing the other chemical uh to talk about is oxytocin which is more common in women and there's a male counterpart and i don't remember the name starts with a v and it's a bonding chemical and so um when is it viagra no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs>
0: um
1: relevant but no um uh, so oxytocin is a bonding chemical and it is released in the female brain when she gives when a woman gives birth and then when a female or when a woman's breastfeeding her child so there's bonding going on between mother and child in the act of childbirth and then the act of like nourishing and giving life it's the same chemical that's released uh during sex uh and so god designed sex to bond people together right mm-hmm. to Merge two into one um and it there's like a brain function that actually makes that happen, where in the same way that a woman is being a mother's being bonded to her child in the the like first moments of that child's life, that's the same kind of bonding that happens in the act of sex, and so that's incredible it is yeah, oh it's crazy um and so that you can see now why God designed sex to be done in the security and safety of a covenant because and it's why Paul talks about being bound to a prostitute in first Corinthians, because you all of a sudden start binding yourself to all these people. If you're, if you're pursuing sexual experiences outside of marriage, and then you don't know how to bond anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, I saw one guy use an illustration of a piece of duct tape. If I stuck a piece of duct tape on your arm, I ripped it off, that would hurt. If I use the same piece of duct tape, stuck it somewhere else, ripped it off. It would hurt a little bit less. And the more I go with that, the less sticky the duct tape becomes. Yep. And in a similar way, the, the more, oxytocin that's released in all these different experiences the less bonding power that oxytocin has you know so when people are like yeah i'll settle down one day and get married and then i'll be committed to one partner it's like that's going to be really hard if you've had all these sexual experiences outside of marriage yeah It's good and so um so okay now the same thing happens in pornography right when when you have that sexual pleasure um when pornography is paired with masturbation uh an orgasm then that oxytocin is being released and is being you're being bonded to people that they're real people, but they don't exist relationally with you. It's through a screen, right? And so, so you have, you have this path created in your brain that you can't, that's easy to walk. You have this reward taking place. And then you also have a chemical bonding taking place. Every time you engage in that act, you know, through a screen, it's no wonder why people become addicted to it and want to stop, but then can't um, because their brain has been shaped and formed to need
0: what pornography provides um in a way so yeah let me ask this Mm -hmm. many people especially in a western culture like to see sin as something purely individual yeah and a lot of people think me sitting by myself with my screen is purely individual Mm -hmm. can you talk and speak to how there is no such thing as individual sin, that all sin is corporate, yeah. and affects not just our marriages, but actually impacts the entire Christian community mm-hmm. that we are a part of, but also impacts society at yeah. large as well. Yeah, It's almost like this should be called saints in society, you know, so. it's a good idea. Yeah, fire, fire away. Um, <laughs> uh, Zach put it on the
1: vision board. Um, yeah, sin, has a corporate effect. We see that in the story of Achan and Joshua when uh, this dude steals stuff from is it Jericho, one of the cities that they that they conquer. They're not supposed to take any plunder. He takes plunder and and it affects the whole community. It affects the whole the all of the people. Um yeah, so pornography so there's a couple of things here. First of all, when you Part of what pornography does is it changes the way you view other people. And remember that path in the brain. If you start seeing women on a screen, so let's take a man, man, for example, you start seeing women as a screen, as an object to be used for personal gratification. Then when you're living your life, you're going to start seeing women in real life in that way as well. Mm-hmm. So you actually, it actually affects your ability to engage with the opposite sex sometimes the same sex in a healthy god honoring and brother or sister honoring way because you've trained your brain to undress anyone you think is attractive in your mind and so it actually tarnishes relationships within the church within society and you know beyond just doing damage to marriages and that kind of thing um the porn industry and the sex trafficking industry are very closely connected, and so every click. Also, I feel like I'm like guilting people. Remember, if you didn't hear my story, like I was there, okay. So,
0: but every click. Yeah, hang in there with us. Yeah, because we are going to share the good news of the gospel <laughs> yeah. at, at at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Every click
1: is only telling companies that produce pornography and websites that upload pornography. It's just an increased demand, which then requires an increase in supply, which fuels the sex trade industry. Um, it fuels the demand for men and women to be either coerced, forced, whatever, into an industry that exploits them and their bodies for a profit. And so I, I know it's, I know, I do know it's easy to see it as removed. Well, man, I'm not the one that's forcing them to do this. I'm just benefiting from it. But I think it's something like 35% of internet searches are for pornographic content um like i mean the, the amount of like downloads from the internet that are porn every second is like crazy i mean it's yeah. it's just like a, a it's this machine that's like being fueled by click after click after click and so we have to be honest with we have to be honest about every click that we contribute to that machine is only fueling it and adding fuel to the fire of an industry that is destroying people's lives destroying people's minds this is a horrible horrifying stat but there's been an uptick in child-on-child sex abuse since the prevalence of pornography where like 8 to 12 13 year olds are the one are the perpetrators in sexual violence and abuse towards other 8 to 13 year olds and we can trace that back to their exposure to pornography Mm. they saw it on a screen they want to try that and so they Force it upon someone else. I mean, like that's that's the that's the real life effects of pornography in our society, in our churches, in our worlds, in our families. As dads, like that stings, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you sit it, me sitting in my room by myself, engaging in something that I think is very private and personal and doesn't affect anyone. That's a lie, um, and it's a lie that needs to be exposed, and it's a lie that we need to be honest about because it really does affect society at large. Yeah.
2: This week's local business spotlight is on Crux Rock Gym. Ron Vickery started Crux in the 90s and it was one of the first climbing gyms in the U.S. and they even started with a gravel floor which is pretty wild but one day Morgan and Mara Watson were climbing at the gym and the owners approached them and asked them if they wanted to buy it and at first they were unsure just because they knew that it was going to be a pretty significant financial undertaking but they really just sensed that God was at work in this and so they felt a lot of peace about jumping into this venture and so they did and that is how Crux came to be where it is today. Morgan and Mara see Crux as a place for climbers and those wanting to become climbers to have community with others of the same passion. They want to help people have access to a healthy lifestyle and guide them into that through climbing and food and drink. They actually just opened up a cafe that is in the gym. and. All of the ingredients are locally sourced and organic, so they really have a passion for healthy food and drink. Ultimately, they desire to be a light in their neighborhood and their community through offering all of these things. I remember going to Crux when I was a kid. That was one of my family's favorite activities was to go spend hours climbing on a given Saturday. I remember one time my parents even bet all of us that we could not get around the entire gym because it was rock wall for the most part around the entire gym. Um, without falling, and so they bet us all each $100 that um, we couldn't do it, and definitely none of us made the money. But we got better, and it was fun, and we felt encouraged, and yeah, it was just a joy to, to be there. So the clean and family-friendly atmosphere at Correx leads to visitors feeling invited and cared for and personally known, and I can definitely testify to that myself. So they truly strive to make outdoor climbing accessible to all who are interested so go check out crux even if you are new to climbing it is a ton of fun to go and it's such a safe environment to learn i feel that way going now as someone who hasn't climbed in a very long time so check it out and if you go let them know that you heard about it here
0: okay so I've mentioned this to you before as well is the other thing is since since we as pastors, one of the blessings man i don't even know if I want to go with that but but one of the blessings is that you often get to meet with people and see firsthand how empty sin is, and I only say it's it's a blessing because we like everyone else, and i myself have every sinful fantasy thought and everything like that but firsthand when you get to see stuff you mm-hmm. get to see just how empty this sin is and the path that it leads to destruction we understand that sin is a corporate matter we also understand that every time we click as as you said we're we're contributing to something the thing that we're contributing to is the very thing that could be the the cause of our children and grandchildren's relationships being destroyed one mm-hmm. day or themselves mm-hmm. and so I think there's there's big impacts to view it as this is just something between me and, and, you know, myself that I'm doing. But let's go back to what you said before that the brain is wired for intimacy. And so these aren't all bad things that, that, that we have our brains that release chemicals connected to reward Mm -hmm. and connected to even sex in the way that God designed it between man and woman Mm -hmm. in a covenant relationship, you know, You get dopamine. You said if you, you know, do something and compete and get a prize, you're not gonna experience that getting eighth and ninth place in a lot of competitions. (laughs) There we go. But other people every other podcast. (laughs) Every other people might (laughs) that are winning. So it's not a bad thing to have these chemicals being released it's it's showing that are that we're wired for something and that we're wired for deeper relationships Mm -hmm. it's just we're never going to find it in pornography so so can you speak to first like like what are these things pointing to because they're pointing to something
1: yeah yeah intimacy is a good thing we were created for it pleasure is a good thing we were created for it but we were created to find those things ultimately in christ it's like super cliche and cheesy but we all have a god-shaped hole right and we try to fill it with other things that's what's happening here yep intimacy is like a desire to be known and to know others on a like a deep level like even if we would i i think we, i would i would go so far as to say we all want to be known like i want to be seen and known mm-hmm. and accepted for who i am the deepest darkest parts of me that I don't like about myself. I want someone to see me and know me and accept me. Pornography provides a pseudo intimacy because you're always accepted. You're always awesome. And you're also awesome when you're doing something in like an environment that you feel is a dark secret of yours, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're, you're coming to this place that no, like no one knows you're there, but you're being accepted while you're there by this person on a screen. And so it provides this false sense of intimacy. Where we actually do find true intimacy is by being known by Christ. And Mm -hmm. the knowledge knowledge he has of us, we said this last time, the knowledge he has of us is far deeper than the knowledge any human will ever have of us and even deeper than the knowledge we have of ourselves, right? Psalm 139, he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows the thoughts that are Mm -hmm. in our mind before we even speak them. Like like he knows us and accepts us and loves us. He knows our flaws he knows the ugly parts of us he he knows the mess he knows the good things and he delights in us and, and so we're going to chase that kind of knowledge and acceptance and intimacy and all i mean we chase it in our marriage right intimacy and in marriage is a good thing but if intimacy in our marriage becomes the ultimate thing it's gonna leave us wanting more it's, we're gonna we're gonna be left wanting more so all the the the, the like lack of intimacy that we get in relationships in our life is ultimately driving us to see that we need that from God. We need that from him. That's what, uh, how we were created. We were created to live with him in harmony, mm-hmm. you know? And then what happens the very first thing after sin is they hide from God. All of a sudden they don't yeah. want to be known by the God who created them to be known by him, you know? Um, so, uh, Jesus's death and resurrection has made a way for us to get back to being known by him because our sins paid for, mm-hmm. Our life is new. We have Christ's righteousness, and so now, now we have that intimate relationship with God that was once lost because of sin. So, you know, that's intimacy. You could say the same thing about pleasure. Uh, Psalm sixty-three, I think, talks about at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like the 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 best sex, the best meal, the best drink, the best experience. You know, the coolest place you could travel to. All of the pleasures of life pale in comparison to the pleasure of 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 knowing christ Mm -hmm. uh, of being his and pale in comparison to what we will one day experience in his presence the new heavens and the new earth where there is no presence of sin and so yeah we were created to experience pleasure and intimacy but we were created to experience those things in the presence of our creator um and anything anywhere we go to look for that that isn't that is a created thing and not the creator will only leave us wanting more yeah, and, and pornography provides both of those things in a way that, in the moment, it's everything you want. Yeah. And every time, you get everything you want. And then it leaves us wanting at the end.
0: The, the second part of this is the gospel provides the ultimate. So mm. the other thing is, is that the gospel provides us the ability to step into community where we're meant to also find intimacy and in Christian community and an in, intimacy where we can really be known, you know? Yes. Yeah. So you, you went back to the garden, they, they hid from God. They also covered their mm-hmm. own insecurities yeah. and and were essentially hiding from one, from one yeah. another. So can you speak to how, to that? I'm not just going to say men, but men struggle to like share, you know, anything that looks vulnerable or weak yeah. or um, emotions. And mm-hmm. I think women sh- struggle to, to, you know, jump in relationships and to be known or mm-hmm. confess in. And I don't know that, it, I don't just want to say it's men. I don't think it's supernatural yeah. for anyone, but it's what we're actually longing for. Mm-hmm. And so can you speak to how even those relationships that we're searching for in pornography are something that points to, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah um, I'd say it's very similar in, to what we're looking for in Christ. We get a taste of that in the context of community. And I think I've said this before in a podcast where some of my most in my life, some of the most tangible experiences of God's love and grace for me has been, has come in the context of community. Because it's one thing, like, I can say, okay, God already, knows, like, I'm fully exposed before God. He knows everything and he loves me. Great. Mm-hmm. But then to fully expose, to be fully exposed in front of people who are flawed and broken, like me, and whose approval I really want, and who, like, I'm like trying to keep up an image for them that's a more tangible and personal, in a way, experience. And so, but it's where we actually get to experience, I think, part of what it's like to be known and approved of by God. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we're not just created for a relationship with God, we're created for a relationship, period, with God and with one another. Yeah. Sin breaks that, and then the gospel restores our ability to be in relationship with one, on, with one another. And why the gospel does that is because it, it eliminates the need to put on masks. It eliminates the need to create an image. It eliminates the need to pretend to be someone we're not because we all come to the foot of the cross on the same playing field, broken, Mm -hmm. sinful, and in need of a savior. We don't come uh, to the cross. Well, we don't stand before Mount Everest and compare who's taller when we're next to each other. We stand before Mount Everest and we're like, that's massive. I'm tiny. We're tiny, you know. Yep. And so when we when we stand at the foot of the cross, we don't stand at the foot of the cross and be like, well, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy or that girl. Or yeah, whatever. it's like I'm just looking at YouTube stuff. Yeah, that guy over there is probably yeah. yeah it's way, like no. way deeper in this hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. We're, we all come to the foot of the cross completely, totally depraved. Like no one does good. Mm-hmm. Not one. Um, and we're all on that same playing field. So that frees us up to then be in deep, meaningful relationships with one another, where i don't have to and though i might still try to do this i don't have to pretend to be someone i'm not when i'm with you Mm -hmm. because i trust that you view me like christ does that we're all in the same And same, vice versa you don't have to try to pretend to be someone you're not when you're with me and i think that's there's something really beautiful about christian community um because even the even in pornography the fakeness of it all is like you are getting this again pseudo intimacy with another person but you're both being fake, Yeah, you know, like yeah. porn's fake. It's not real. And then even like who you are presenting yourself to be in this, you know, this digital exchange is not really who you yeah. are either. Um, And so the Christian community provides a place to like strip the leaves, s- strip the masks, the image, and say, this is who I am completely, totally, and to be mm-hmm. accepted and approved of.
0: Yeah, that's good. It, it also allows you to, to go in and lay down some things that we're not comfortable saying because as men it's grown more normal to be like hey i'm struggling with lust but what men don't say is hey man i'm super lonely yeah i'm super sad yeah i'm hurting i'm in a lot of pain i'm really insecure i'm Mm -hmm. broken i don't like this about me i know when i get in these spots and i'm in this rut i'm gonna run this direction so like can you come spend some time with me or, yeah. can, you know, can, mm, yeah. uh, can I hang out with you? I'm, I'm just kind of lonely, sad and hurting right now. And it's mm-hmm. like, those are things that the gospel also frees us to say and have the courage to say, because yeah. for generations, men weren't going to say like, I'm lonely or I'm hurting because right, yeah. we're just like, oh, that that sounds so weak, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the gospel is freeing men to be like, Hey, underneath all of this is, is actually just someone who's hurting and lonely, mm-hmm. looking for relationships the gospel frees me to say that, and then step toward people, or even share a need to say, "Hey, can you yeah. come over and hang out with me, man? I'm I'm really lonely right yeah. now, you know." So, yeah. yeah, the Christ power is made perfect in our weakness,
1: yeah, not in our strength, not yeah. in like our ability to keep it together. It's when we're weak, yeah, that Christ power is made known. And so, to so Paul says, "I will boast all the more in my mm-hmm. weakness," you know, yeah. because it's the power of Christ in me. So. Yeah, we need to be men and women who are trusting fully in the sufficiency of God's grace, but we can't do that if we're not honest with our weaknesses. Yeah,
0: that's good. Let's wrap up today talking through a couple of things. The gospel is the frontal assault. Like, it's how we're Mm going to go at this head on. Yeah, And and even in that frontal assault, we would say the gospel gives us community, gives us deep relationships. What are the kind of like flank assaults? Yeah. the other things that people can be doing and specifically some resources that are helpful to maybe listen to, maybe read or, or, or anything yeah, like that. For so, sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I find it interesting that when Jesus talks about fighting sexual sin, he doesn't say have an accountability group. He doesn't say, and just pray more. <laughs> he doesn't say read your Bible more. None of these are bad things. So hear me out what he says is cut your eye out and chop your hand
0: off. Mm-hmm. Did you know the early church father Origen actually took that very literal and he, what is it called? <laughs> I'll come back to this. Once I collect my thoughts, but he, he, he is, well, he castrated himself. That's oh, what he did. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so That's I, what it's I, called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what is the word without saying yeah. what the process is? But yeah, Origen took that so serious that he actually castrated himself. So yeah. You know, for all of the, annoyances
1: of guys don't do that the 21st century (laughs) i sure am glad i wasn't part of his church (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um yeah so i I don't think i i would disagree with our friend origin on the literal like interpretation of jesus's words but i do think what jesus a seminary professor said jesus means are you willing to take draconian measures to eliminate sin to mortify sin to kill sin and you know even a lot of people like to go to joseph and potiphar to talk about sexual temptation and what's he do he runs like he flees he just mm-hmm. runs away like stop thinking that you're gonna be strong enough to just muscle it and like do it on your own and realize that this thing is out to kill you and it's stronger than you it's more powerful than you it has control over your mind and you can't so get rid of it um there's a quote by a pastor that i read he says if you think uh, if you think you can't fall into sexual sin, then you're godlier than David, stronger than Samson, and wiser than Solomon.
0: I literally had a young guy tell me that he would never ever have an affair whenever he gets married. Like he can't even fathom that. This mm-hmm. same young man is a man who struggles with porn addiction. Yeah. So just even the self righteousness and like like I would never do something like that is right. yeah. like you're already you're already. Defeated in some sense that you're approaching it from that much self-righteousness and the enemy has you right yeah. where he wants it. You know, yeah. so oh, yeah. now we have victory in Christ
1: and the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm not saying that we are weak and feeble and have have no Holy Spirit within us to like give us power. What I'm saying is we need to be honest and realistic about the schemes of the devil and the the, the strength and, and hold that this kind of sin has on us. And so when I, OK, so gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand eliminate access to pornography and here's where people start saying well but i need my phone for this and i need my xbox for this um so one of the things that i did is i got a dumb phone that only texts and calls has no internet access or apps and yeah it's annoying i don't get emails people send me links to funny videos all the time that i can't watch it's inconvenient (laughs) is it more inconvenient than like continuing to look at pornography and destroying my life ministry and marriage? No. I can wait till I get to the office to check my email and I'll be okay. You know, versus having, still having access. So a dumb phone, uh, some other things that I've like, uh, done any other electronic device that's in the house has a passcode on it that I don't know. My wife knows, uh, covenant eyes is a computer or is an electronic software that you can put on your devices that, um, On a computer, it takes like random periodic screenshots of whatever you're looking at. And so, and then send them to like accountability partners, allies. Um, so in every way possible, eliminate access. And if you think you've covered everything and then you find a way around it, get rid of that, you know, like keep up the fight of eliminating access and that might seem extreme and in our digital and technological age, it's like, how, how could I not have. Access to the internet in my pocket all the time. It's like, well. (laughs) yeah, I think we have to be willing to, to sacrifice some of those things to fight sin the way that Jesus talks about fighting Mm sin. Um, so covenant eyes just in general is a really good resource that I would recommend for technology, putting that on things. Um, if you have people in your life who can put passwords on things that you don't have access to, then have them put passwords on it and, you Mm -hmm. know, like just nip those things in the bud. But then also I would recommend finding and whether it's through a pastor or like a reputable counseling service or or ministry or something to start like exploring your story because i think there is a lot of in a way again pornography is oftentimes it's the solution not the problem and mm-hmm. so just eliminating pornography is like it's like taking ibuprofen for a headache that's caused by a brain tumor you know it's like we actually need to do some surgery on the on yeah, the, yeah. the deep problem here so when i when i First confessed to Jenna and you, eliminated access as best as I knew how at the time, and it was like, okay, it's done. You know, not going to do that again. And then I started getting like mad at the in the gym. Like all of a sudden, my identity was in the gym, and it was like, whoa! Like I was mm-hmm. acting like a child. It's like, where is this coming from? It's like, oh, it's like because I actually haven't got at the like heart issues. Yeah, you know, pornography was one outlet. That outlet's been cut off. My deeper issues are just going to start showing up in other areas, like yep. whack a mole a friend of ours talks about it like that you smack one down another one pops up so so do the difficult work of exploring your story your family of origin you know getting to the heart of the problem because that's going to be what actually helps make changes over
0: the long haul yeah let me maybe end with saying this and i think this is going to like be like whoa but this this one's for parents Mm. you you wouldn't typically leave bottles of booze in your teenager's room and hope that maybe they won't drink yeah. the booze. You, you wouldn't leave, you know, maybe some sort of drugs in your teenager's room and, and hope that they won't possibly play around with it. Mm-hmm. How, it's incredible how we're willing to put a device in someone's hand that has so much power and leave them alone in a room. Yeah, And so it's like, I do, you, you can't approach children and think that external regulations is ever going to change a heart. The only thing that can change hearts is the gospel. Mm -hmm. With that said, I do think that parents have the responsibility to provide safety for their kids for something that can destroy them. And, And again, they might hate this and they might not grasp that your first response to them is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And all they see is that you're torturing them. But at the same time, it's like, I think this is an area that parents can like be hands-on and micromanage because this this well, tool or mm-hmm. device has so much access to so much stuff that has the power to destroy kids' lives and, and futures and, and, and stuff. And so in some sense, it's, it's almost more dangerous than booze because you can be so secretive about it. Yeah. The smells not on your breath and stuff. And so I, I do think Approach children with the gospel as their lasting and and ultimate change, but also take some measures that that might be viewed as a little bit extreme out of that to say like, Hey, like, like I love you too much to, Mm -hmm. you know, to give you access to something like this. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in guys. And hope this has been helpful for you again. As we said last time, if you don't have someone to reach out to, or even if someone has reached out to you and you don't know what to do with that please reach out to us. That's a genuine offer. Reach out to a pastor at your local church uh, or reach out, like I said, to uh, to me or Brad. We would love to, to walk with you, talk with you. If you're someone who's struggling with this or someone's confessed to you and you don't know what to do, we would love to walk with you through that. So thanks for listening to part two on pornography and saints and society. And again, we hope this is, this is helpful for you. We hope this is something where the gospel leads you into confession and into community and into deeper relationships.